One of the most uh, common prejudices of the modern intellectual elites is an absolute rejection of even the possibility that a miracle could take place. Ernest Renan, he's the 19th century French infidel, has perhaps the best summary of this attitude. Quote, No miracle has ever taken place under conditions which science can accept. Experience shows that without exception, miracles occur only in times and in countries in which miracles are believed in and in the presence of persons who are disposed to believe in them. Close quote. So today we're going to consider a miracle which completely defies Renan's claims, a miracle which took place under conditions which science can accept, and certainly in the presence of persons not disposed to believe in it. But before we do that, let's back up and briefly consider the answers to several questions. First, what exactly is a miracle? Second, what sort of evidence is required to determine whether or not a miracle has occurred? And third, what is the point of a miracle? What are we meant to take away from it? So first, what exactly is a miracle? A miracle is an occurrence outside the course of nature that we can perceive with our senses and which can only be explained as the direct act of God. A miracle is an occurrence outside of the course of nature which we can ex- ex- we experience with our senses, we perceive it, and it can only be explained as a direct act of God himself. So how do we go about determining in any given case whether or not a miracle has actually occurred? The 1913 Catholic Encyclopedia explains that a miracle, like any natural event, is known either from personal observation or from the testimony of others. The general rules governing the acceptance of testimony apply to miracles as to other facts of history. If we have certain evidence for the fact, we are bound to accept it. We have no more rational warrant for rejecting miracles than for rejecting accounts of solar eclipses. The point is that a miracle, at its most fundamental level, is simply a historical fact. In other words, at the most fundamental level, belief in the reality of any particular miracle has exactly the same basis as our belief in any other historical fact. For example, that there actually was a battle of the Alamo, that Dwight Eisenhower actually was the President of the United States. It's important to keep in mind that although a miracle is an act of God, a recognizable and astonishing act of God, it doesn't take faith as such to recognize a miracle. After all, the Pharisees and Sadducees certainly recognized the fact that our Lord had raised Lazarus from the dead. But no one's going to go accusing them of having faith, are they? So, a miracle, like any natural event, is known either from personal observation or from the testimony of others. The general rules governing the acceptance of testimony apply to miracles as to other historical facts. So what are the general rules for determining questions of history, such as miracles? Questions of history, historical statements, historical claims, are determined on the basis of evidence. We want to determine the reliability of the truth of a historical claim. We look at the evidence. For example, were there witnesses? 
other documents, other artifacts. Artifacts are things like tape recordings, movies, a photograph, a monument, footprint, and so forth. Are these witnesses, documents, etc., consistent? Are they reliable? Those are the kind of ways we weigh the evidence. And in fact, the church herself approaches the question of miracles in this fashion. Before the church proclaims the authenticity of any miracle, there's supposed to be a rigorous investigation along these very lines. If reliable, consistent witnesses testify to a particular event, for example, eyewitnesses describe a healing at Lourdes. If reliable documentation testifies to a particular event, for example, medical records, documentation descriptions of the person before and after the healing, if there are artifacts that support and corroborate the descriptions of this particular event. For example, there's photographs and x-rays of the person before the healing and afterwards. Then it's a height of arrogance and it's a clear demonstration of a profound level of blindness to deny the reality of such a miracle. In fact, this would be the deliberate rejection of the known truth, which is a very, very serious intellectual sin. Now, one common objection is that miracles are not scientific, whatever that means. As someone pointed out years ago, science has added absolutely nothing to our knowledge that makes a miracle any more astonishing or any less believable. For example, since the days of Adam, everyone has known that a stone released from the hand falls to the ground. If by miracle the stone should be suspended in the air all of a sudden, that miracle would not be the slightest bit more astonishing today just because science has given a name, gravity, to the law by which the stone has fallen or because a scientist can do sophisticated calculations at the rate by which the stone should have fallen. We also need to keep in mind there's absolutely no difference between the trust we place in scientists to accurately report their observations and the trust we place in other eyewitnesses to accurately report observations of historical events. In either case, whether we're dealing with an absolutely unique historical event or we're dealing with repeatable experimental results in a lab, we're still dealing with human testimony. So we judge the claims of miracles like any other historical question. Are there witnesses? Are there documents? Are there artifacts? Are all these things consistent? Are they reliable? So we've considered what a miracle is and how we assess it, but now let's pose one last and very important question. Why does God perform a miracle? What's the point? Well, every miracle in the first place is for the glory of God and the good of man. That's in the first place. But there are also secondary reasons for a miracle. For example, sometimes God performs a miracle as a witness to the true holiness of one of his special friends. We can think of all the miracles done by Padre Pio as a witness to the authentic holiness of Padre Pio. Sometimes he, he performs a miracle in order to confirm a doctrine of faith or morals. We think especially the Eucharistic miracles where we see the bleeding hosts or the hosts that have turned into flesh. So that's another reason he does it. And sometimes he performs a miracle to confirm the truth of a divine mission. And we can think of the miracles. The apostles went out. They're preaching a religion that's very hard for all of us because we, we have to, you know, it makes demands on everybody. But they're doing all these miracles to show that they have a divine mission. If the mission is true, 
that the miracles point to the fact that this mission should be believed. And all that by way of introduction. Today, we're going to spend some time considering a miracle which completely defies Renan's claims that no miracle has ever taken place under conditions which science can accept, that without exception, miracles occur only in times and in countries in which miracles are believed in and in the presence of persons that are disposed to believe in them. Although we're actually all familiar with this miracle, there are two good reasons to spend some time taking a closer look. First, because we all have family, friends, and acquaintances who aren't living an authentic Catholic life, or perhaps have never been given this priceless gift of faith. And since it doesn't take faith to recognize a miracle, if we make a good case to our friends, relatives, that this particular miracle is a historical fact, that has the potential to open the door to authentic faith. And that really happens with people. So that's in the first case. And the second reason is because this miracle in itself has a profound meaning, and it also confirms the truth of a message that's of the utmost importance to each one of us here. So we're going to turn to the miracle in question. We're going to consider it today from the point of view of a historical event. The miracle is the miracle in the sun, which took place on October 13, 1917. Of course, the first apparition of Our Lady at Fatima was on this day in 1917. At the time of the miracle, Portugal was ruled by the Freemasons. For months, O Seculo, now this was the liberal, anti-clerical, daily newspaper in Lisbon, for months, they'd been regularly mocking the events in Fatima, both in cartoons and articles. Reporting on the July apparition in mocking tones, the paper reported, and I quote, the children intoned the funeral chant, made epileptic gestures, and fell into ecstasy, close quote. And according to the paper, the real reason for all the commotion up there at Fatima, where all these Catholic hillbillies were up there living, the real reason for this is the clergy were hoping to make a pile of money by discovering a new source of mineral water, just like they'd done over at Lourdes. And all this blasphemous nonsense was actually welcomed by the readership, because at that time, Lisbon had fallen on such rough times that by 1915, it had been proclaimed the atheistic capital of the world. How many witnesses were present at the miracle? The majority of historians estimate that on October 13th, there are a minimum of 70,000 witnesses in that crowd at Fatima. Why such a great number? Because for three months, since July 13th, three small children who could neither read nor write, Lucia Dos Santos, she's 10 years old, and her cousins Francisco Marto, who is nine, and Jacinto Marto, who is seven, have been predicting that Our Lady would perform a great miracle on October 13th. And that's why at least 70,000 witnesses were present. Men from all social classes and cultural levels, the undecided but curious, the faithful that were confident of seeing a miracle, scientists, skeptics, unbelievers, and even fanatics, they're all gathered side by side in Fatima. And that's also why this is an unparalleled historical event. Given an incredible number of witnesses. We could cite testimonies for hours. For the sake of time, we'll simply glance at a few testimonies of eyewitnesses. As one historian notes, quote, 
The witnesses of the event were indeed innumerable. Their testimonies agree. And we are flooded with the documents they have left us. Close quote. So we'll just cut and splice uh, quotes throughout. Although the rain had been steadily pelting down all morning, it suddenly stopped, and just as suddenly the sky cleared. This abrupt change of weather took all the eyewitnesses by surprise. It was a day of heavy and continuous rain. But a few minutes before the miracle, it stopped raining. Suddenly all the clouds disappeared without the slightest breeze. And the sun was shining in a clear sky. There were also changes of color in the atmosphere. I saw everything had assumed an amethyst color. Objects around me, the sky and the atmosphere, were of the same color. Soon I heard a peasant who was near me shout out in tones of amazement, Look, that lady is all yellow. In fact, everything both near and far had changed. My own hand was the same color. Close quotes. So the miracle started with the sun, uh, the rain suddenly stopping, the sky clearing, and then the sunlight goes to the different colors of the rainbow. For a description of what happened next, we'll turn to Alvalino de Almeida. Now this guy cannot possibly be accused of being a favorable witness because he's the chief editor of Oseculo, the Freemasonic daily newspaper, and he's up there specifically to report on the events. This is a hostile witness. This account's taken from his newspaper article. Quote, And then we witnessed a unique spectacle, an incredible spectacle, unbelievable if you did not witness it. From the road, where the carriages were crowded together, and where hundreds of persons had stayed for want of sufficient courage to advance across the muddy ground, we saw the huge crowd turn towards the sun, which appeared at its zenith, clear of the clouds. It resembled a disk of silver, and it was possible to stare at it without the least discomfort. It did not burn the eyes. It did not blind. We would say that it produced an eclipse. Then a tremendous cry rang out, and the crowd nearest us were heard to shout, Miracle! Miracle! Marvel! Marvel! The attitude of the people takes us back to biblical times. Dumbfounded, with heads uncovered, they contemplated the blue sky. Before their dazzled eyes, the sun trembled and made strange and abrupt movements outside of all cosmic laws, and according to the typical expression of the peasants, the sun danced. Close quote. Now, although he was attacked violently by his colleagues in the anti-clerical press, 15 days later, he renewed his testimony, and this time he also published a dozen photographs of the crowd, this immense crowd, And he repeats through the article this refrain, I saw, I saw, I saw. He concludes, Miracle, as the people shouted, natural phenomenon, as experts say, for the moment, that does not concern me. I am only affirming what I saw. The rest is a matter for science and the church. Close quote. So if you've seen pictures of the crowd looking up there, there were studying you look at them, you'll notice almost nobody has shaded their eyes. And all these people looking up there, and you can see the sunlight fall on their face. Those pictures were taken by the Freemasonic newspaper. That's where we get the pictures. It's from the Freemasons of all people. 
The most terrifying aspect of the miracle took place immediately after the dance of the sun. The sun seemed to suddenly plunge towards the earth. Quote, Then suddenly one heard a clamor, a cry of anguish, breaking from all the people. The sun, whirling wildly, seemed all at once to loosen itself from the firmament, and blood-red plunged towards the earth, threatening to crush us with its huge and fiery weight. The sensation during those moments was truly terrible. It seemed like a wheel of fire which was going to fall on the people. Close quotes. And quote, everyone within an area of 32 miles thought it was the end of the world. One witness, who was later a contractor in California, was about 18 kilometers away from Fatima. He was 12 years old and he was herding sheep. He said, I can't remember to this day what happened to the sheep. All I can remember is that this fireball came down upon earth and I knew that I was about to be burned alive. And I ran and I ran and I ran. All I can remember is my fear. And I've often waked up at night running from the fire. Quote, We thought it was the end of the world. The fire of the sun was on top of us. At the time the fire was coming on, there were shouts. Parents were throwing themselves to cover their children. People were shouting out their sins out loud, confessing and crying for mercy. They fell to their knees in the mud and the water, confessed their sins, and cried for mercy. And what happened? The fire went back into the sky. Close quotes. And all those people, who for the most part soaked to the bone, were amazed to discover they were dry, that so is the ground. Quote, This enormous multitude was drenched, for it rained unceasingly since dawn. But though this may appear credible, after the great miracle, everyone felt comfortable and found his garments quite dry, a subject of general wonder. My suit dried in an instant. The moment one would least expect it, our clothes were totally dry. Close quotes. To those who might claim that the miracle was a product of mass hysteria or mass hypnosis, God himself prearranged a rebuttal. Perfectly credible witnesses who were very far from Fatima saw the miracle of the sun. For example, the whole village of Al-Buritel. Now in this village, it was 20 kilometers from Fatima, and they thought this was a bunch of nonsense, that these, these Catholic children over in Fatima were making this stuff up, and why would you waste your time to go over there? So there were people going on the road through there, and they were making fun of them. Why are you wasting your time to go listen to these three little kids? That's nuts. So they didn't believe it at all. The whole village saw the miracle of the sun. Father Ignacio Lorenzo recalls, quote, I was only nine years old at this time, and I went to the local village school. At about midday, we were surprised by the shouts and cries of some men and women who were passing the street. The teacher, a good pious woman, was the first to run into the road with the children after her. 
outside, the people were shouting and weeping and pointing to the sun. It was the great miracle, which one could see quite distinctly from the top of the hill where my village was located. Objects around us turned all the colors of the rainbow. I feel incapable of describing what I saw and felt. I looked fixedly at the sun, which seemed pale and did not hurt the eyes. Looking like a ball of snow revolving upon itself, it suddenly seemed to come down in a zigzag, menacing the earth. Terrified, I ran and hid myself among the people who were weeping and expecting the end of the world at any moment. Close quote. At least 70,000 witnesses braving the rain and the mud. Suddenly the sky clears. The sun shoots out all the colors of the rainbow. It whirls and spins and dances. And then breaks free and hurdles towards earth. People convinced that they're about to be burnt alive. Falling to their knees in the mud and the water. Crying out their sins. Calling for mercy. And then the sun retreats leaving everyone in dry clothes on dry ground. At least 70,000 witnesses, many of them not believers. Remember that a miracle like any natural event is known, either from personal observation or from the testimony of witnesses. The general rules governing the acceptance of testimony apply to miracles as to any other fact of history. The evidence for miracles, as is for historical facts in general, depends on the knowledge and veracity of the narrators. Such testimony we are not free to reject. Otherwise, we must deny all history whatsoever. We have certain evidence for the fact. We are bound to accept it. We have no more rational warrant for rejecting miracles than for rejecting accounts of solar eclipses. So what have we seen? We've heard only a snippet of testimonies from witnesses of the miracle of the sun, some of whom were radical anti-Catholics, some of whom were believers, all of whom were there in response to an unprecedented prophecy, a prediction that a miracle would take place on that day, at that time, and in that place. The believers were there in anticipation of seeing a miracle. The atheists and the anti-clerical plus were there with their smirks firmly in place, looking forward to being able to deal a crushing blow to the medieval superstitions of these people they considered the Catholic morons. Their accounts published before the miracle, mocking the predictions. Their photographs of the crowd Their testimonies, written, taped, and filmed from massive numbers of the 70-some thousand witnesses. There are distant witnesses who could not possibly be accused of being an influence of some sort of so-called mass hypnosis or group suggestion. The conclusion is obvious. The miracle of the sun is a historical fact, pure, plain, and simple. If after considering the evidence, someone still wouldn't believe the miracle of the sun actually happened, then it's perfectly reasonable to ask him, on what basis does he believe the Battle of Alamo happened? There sure weren't 70,000 witnesses to that. 
Or easier yet, just to ask him his birthday. And ask him on what basis does he believe that to be true. Because there probably weren't 70,000 witnesses to that either. The miracle of the sun and the prophecy of the miracle three months in advance are verifiable historical facts. It's obvious that both the precise fulfillment of that prophecy, date, time, and place, as well as the events of the miracle itself can only be explained as a direct act of God himself in history. Now let's ask one last and important question. Just why did God perform that miracle? Well, obviously it confirms the truth that Our Lady was appearing and had a message. So the miracle points to the message. But the miracle itself wasn't some sort of random event. God never acts without a purpose. The miracle itself has a meaning. It's meant to tell us something. So what does the miracle mean in itself? Well, in this case, the apocalyptic overtones are obvious. That's not reading something into the miracle after the fact, as we just heard. The witnesses themselves were convinced it was the end of the world. The nearly unanimous reaction of the witnesses is that they were seeing the end of the world. To see apocalyptic imagery in this is also consistent with the tradition of the church. In that regard, a few statements made by that great doctor of the church, St. Alphonsus Liguori, are well worth pondering. St. Alphonsus. St. Matthew speaks of another sign of the end of the world. In Matthew 24, 29, he says, quote, And the powers of heaven shall be moved. Close quote. Some understand this to mean tremors in unusual movements which will occur in the heavens. That is, the firmness of the heavens will seem to be lacking as they will tremble before the Lord comes to judge the world. Close quote. End quote. The coming of the judge will be preceded by fire. Fire will descend from heaven and shall burn the earth in all things upon the earth. The earth, defiled by sin, must be purified by fire. Close quote, St. Alphonsus. In regards to the meaning of the miracle itself, in my personal opinion, that's all it is, is that the downpour which suddenly ceased, falling immediately by the clearing of the sky, and then the sun shooting out various colors, all that's meant to remind us of the great flood and the rainbow, which is the visible sign that God will never destroy the world with water again. The dancing of the sun is to remind us of the powers of heaven being moved before the day of judgment. And the falling of the sun is meant to remind us of the fire from the sky, as both scripture and tradition assure us, will destroy the world. According to St. Augustine and St. Gregory the Great, 
Noah warned mankind about the flood, the coming flood, for a full hundred years until it struck and wiped them out. I think anybody that's read his scriptures know there weren't very many people that took his warning seriously at all, were there? I take the miracle of the sun as a very, very clear warning from Our Lady about upcoming events. A wake-up call for all those who have eyes to see. But as it was in the days of Noah, so it is in our days. Not very many people seem to be taking her warning seriously either. Now, Father Regis Scanlon has a slightly different view. Quote, St. Peter says that God punished the ancient world at the time of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, thereby showing what would happen in the future to the godless. That's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Most likely, the rain symbolizes the punishment of the flood at Noah's time, and the sun symbolizes the fire from the sky that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And unless we change our ways, the same thing will happen to us. Close quote. So we considered the meaning of the miracle in itself briefly. Now let's consider it from the point of view of being an unmistakable confirmation that Our Lady had been speaking to the children. God never acts without a purpose. And so the miracle of the Son, a miracle which we have seen of unprecedented proportions, is a sign pointing towards a corresponding message of unprecedented importance. A miracle of unprecedented proportions points towards a miracle of unprecedented importance. In that regard, we'll close with a reflection from famous mainstream Italian journalist Antonio Sochi, in which he speaks of the extraordinary character of the message. Quote, The Fatima event has received on the part of the church which in general is always very cautious concerning supernatural phenomena, a recognition without equal in history, and which places this apparition and this message objectively above and beyond all of the so-called private revelations. All of the succeeding popes have accredited the apparitions with official discourses, acts, and pilgrimages, often invoking biblical comparisons. The third part of the secret that for the entire 20th century had fed apocalyptic rumors was revealed by the Holy See with an official approbation that also has no precedent in Christian history. In fact, all of the previous apparitions containing a prophetic message for humanity have been made public informally without engaging the authority of the church. But in the case of the third part of the secret of Fatima, the contrary has happened. When, after a long and dramatic deliberation, the Pope personally decided to publish the text of the third secret, it was announced in the most solemn manner. 
from the sanctuary of Fatima before the Pope and the visionary by the Vatican Secretary of State. And it was even published on June 26, 2000, with the accompaniment of a theological commentary by the highest doctrinal authority in the church next to the Pope, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, prefect of the former Holy Office, who presented the text to the secret and his commentary at nothing less than a press conference televised worldwide. It is really impossible, after all this, to continue to speak of a private revelation and of the relative importance of the message. The exceptional words pronounced by John Paul II say exactly the opposite. And here I quote the Holy Father. The appeal made by Mary, our mother, at Fatima is such that the whole church feels obligated to respond to the requests of Our Lady. The message imposes an obligation on her, on the church. Close quotes. It is really impossible, after all this, to continue to speak of a private revelation of the relative importance of the message. The appeal made by Mary, our mother, at Fatima is such that the whole church feels obligated to respond to the requests of Our Lady. The message imposes an obligation on the church. God never acts without a purpose. And so a miracle like this, a miracle of unprecedented proportions, points towards a corresponding message of unprecedented importance. The apocalyptic overtones of the miracle itself point towards apocalyptic overtones in the message. Over the course of time, we'll meditate on that message and its meanings for each one of us.